Guys, good to be with you on a Tuesday. My name is Jerry Miller. This is the I Love Seville show where we talk, we talk all things Charlottesville and Central Virginia. Today's program is dynamic. It airs on all social platforms. You, the viewer and listener, can offer perspective and kind of influence the program. Today's show is a microcosm of what I just said. The topic matter for today's show, the lead of the show, is a story contributed by a valued viewer and listener. His name is Jason Howard. And he sent me a link from virginiabusiness.com that really dug deep into the economic impact of the defense sector in the Charlottesville area. I knew the defense sector had a tremendous impact on our economy, but I didn't know dollars and cents until today. And when I do this talk show, the I Love Seville show, I'm reading anywhere from 20, 20 to 30 news outlets a day. And I read them online on this MacBook here. Um, this article that Jason Howard sent to me, I actually asked Judah to print the article so I could have a hard copy and so I could save it for later. I think it's that significant, the study done by the, um, the, the Weldon Cooper uh, Institute in Charlottesville. So we're going to take this $20,000 study done by the Weldon Cooper Center for Public Service at UVA literally $20,000, a study that was funded by Charlottesville City, the Chamber of Commerce, by the Admiral County uh, jurisdiction, and by the Defense Affairs Committee. And I'm going to unpack it for you in a very digestible and approachable manner. You're going to want to hear today's show. Alex Erpe is going to join us about 1 o'clock. I'm also going, to, also going to relay to you two other macro stories that I think have an impact in Charlottesville. These macro storylines include employment or, or, or are um, focused on jobs and job openings or the cooling or lack thereof of job openings. The labor market is cooling down. The openings are, are becoming diminished. The leverage now undoubtedly in the hands of the employer as jobs are vanishing. Jobs are vanishing because the economy is not as strong. Jobs are vanishing because bosses and small business owners have racked up a lot of debt debt that was accrued or started accruing during COVID and debt that's worsened because of rising credit card interest rates. Jobs are going away because of artificial intelligence. I'm going to give you two storylines to follow or for you to consider storylines that we'll talk about on today's show. Here's the first one. In the next five years, the expectation is 14 million fewer jobs in America. You heard me correctly. In the next five years, the World Economic Forum expecting 14 million fewer jobs. This is another statistic that I found absolutely surprising. 25% of the jobs that are out there today in the next five years will be significantly disrupted in some capacity. And that disruption is tied to the economy or artificial intelligence, AI. So you legitimately, how many, how many Americans are there? 330 million Americans, roughly. Of those 330 million Americans, how many are in the labor force? Half? I don't know. I don't know that exact number. Obviously, there's kids. There's folks that are retired. There's folks that don't work, that are, that, that, that are elderly. 
Um, when you're talking about 25% of the jobs and, and, and 14 million jobs being completely eradicated or vanishing in the next five years, you've got to take a deep dive on this and figure out why. So I'm going to talk about it with Judah. We'll talk about it with Alex Erpe. We'll take a deep dive on, this, on these two studies that I think undoubtedly apply to this community. I want to thank Scott Wagner, Dr. Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. He's got your back. He's fantastic. Um, two Fridays of, uh, ago, I was there doing some TV commercial magic, meeting some of the doctors, and, and, and filming commercials that you'll see on television and um, on digital platforms. And I realized that this guy, Dr. Wagner and Kristen, have just built a team of folks that care about this community and rehabilitating people's bodies to give them improved quality of life. He's fantastic. Scott Wagner, Scott Wagner, Integrated Medicine. Carly Wagner sent us a photo. The photo is of an iconic tree that's in a parking lot next to an iconic business. Do you want to put the photo on screen? Maybe you put the photo on screen with the lower third that Carly sent us. If you guys put in the comment section where this photo is located, you can win a prize courtesy of Judah and I in our prize war chest here at I Love Seville. I'll give you a quick hint. This tree is next to an iconic business. It's near the parking lot, and it's close to apartments, overlooking apartments. You got the tree on screen? Yeah. Can they see it? You're giving us, are you trying to figure out where it is? Did you know where it was? I had no idea where this was. I, I don't know how anybody would, but. You don't uh, think anyone will know this? Carly thinks people will know this. Will someone get this right? I didn't know where it was. I will say that. Let's go to the studio camera in the two shot. We'll take a deep dive on the, uh, on the first um, headline of the day. All right. I encourage anyone that's watching the show to go to... Now, you only get... It's a subscriber wall media outlet. And you get free one free article a month. One free article a month. So if you're not a subscriber, be very careful with which, which links you click or you're not going to be able to read this unless you pay for the subscription. VirginiaBusiness.com, the headline, um, Charlottesville Defense Sector Has Stealthly Big Impact. The big headline's also under the radar. I'll include the link in the comment section of the 15 Facebook pages, the Twitter accounts, and all the social platforms so you can see. Here's the nitty-gritty, okay? In Charlottesville, Virginia... The total direct and indirect regional economic impact from defense spending accounted for $1.2 billion in 2021, according to a study exclusively released to Virginia Business by the University of Virginia and the Charlottesville Regional Chamber of Commerce. The study, which the Weldon Cooper Institute, the Weldon Cooper Center did, um, cost 20 grand. The study was funded by the, the Defense Affairs Committee, the Charlottesville Regional Chamber of Commerce, and also by Albemarle County, the UVA Foundation, and the city of Charlottesville. Why you need that many people to fund $20,000 is besides me, because the UVA Foundation's got like $14 billion in its coffers. That's beside the point. I'm getting off track. Listen to this. I found this fascinating. This study 
found that the defense industry in Charlottesville and surrounding Albemarle County and Greene County specifically directly accounted for 3,972 jobs, 421 million in labor income, 501 million in value-added income, and 642 million in economic output in 2021. When including the indirect impacts from the defense industry and the Charlottesville area, the total economic impact from defense in 2021 was 7,347 jobs, 618 million in labor income, 831 million in value added income, and 1.2 billion in economic output. Only the University of Virginia has a larger economic influence on the Charlottesville area. UVA's annual economic impact is nearly $6 billion, according to the university. Here's your second generator for our economy, the defense sector. I'm going to take a deeper dive into this article. This article is damn good. I don't print stuff. I printed this. I'm going to staple it, and I'm going to save it on my desk because this is something I'm going to be able to reference for future conversations. Okay? Here's a macro. Here's macro info for you. And rotate the, if you could, the shots. And if you could rotate the lower thirds on screen so the, the, the viewers that are scrolling through news feeds can see what we're talking about. Thank you, my friend, J-Dubs. Here's a macro story, macro uh, statistic for you. The national defense spending has increased steadily since September 11, 2001, obviously the terrorist, the terrorist attacks, having grown in 2000 from $320 billion to over $800 billion in 2021. So the defense spending in 21 years went from $320 billion in 2020 to over $800 billion in 2021. $62 billion alone went to the Commonwealth of Virginia in 2021. We're talking, what is that, 8%? 7% of the yearly spend went to the Commonwealth alone. I, it's significant. Three of the top military intelligence gathering agencies, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the National Ground Intelligence Center, and the Geospatial Intelligence Agency have a presence in our area. Now, here's the nitty-gritty, and then we'll weave you in, Judah. Here's the question. Why the hell does nobody know about this? Why does nobody know that defense spending accounted for $1.2 billion in economic impact in 2021? Why does no one really know that three of the top military intelligence gathering agencies have a presence in this area? Why do folks not truly understand the influence that defense sector is the second largest economic sector in central Virginia, even ahead of real estate? You want to know why? And this article talks about it is because this type of defense spending in the Charlottesville area is high level intelligence, intel gathering. And it's the folks, the 7,000 plus people that directly or indirectly are tied to defense in this area can't really talk about what they're doing. 
It literally says it in this article. The reason this economic impact flies such under the radar with the 7,347 jobs that are created indirectly and directly from defense spending is because this is high-level intelligence, and the people working these jobs cannot breach classification so we don't truly understand the economic impact of what defense spending has in Charlottesville. It's the absolute opposite of maybe what is the third largest economic driver, which is real estate. What happens in real estate? You have people, stakeholders in real estate, realtors, that are screaming at the top of Carter's Mountain saying, I'm a realtor. Here's why you should buy. Here's why you should sell. Here's why this area is awesome. This house is 500 grand. This house is a million. This investment property is 300. You got stakeholders in the third largest driver of economic influence, real estate, screaming with their mega horns saying, look at what we're doing. You got the University of Virginia that's got a $6 billion annual economic impact legitimately, it can say, just like that, our impact in this area is $6 billion. Look at what we're doing. But number two, the people at Defense Intelligence Agency, at INGIC, at the Geospatial Intelligence Agency, at the Rivanna Station, these folks can't even talk about what they're doing because of the classification. That's why we don't know. Let's weave you in on a two-shot. You read the article. Here's what I'm going to do. I want your take on the article. I'm going to take this link. I'm going to share it all over social media in the, in the comment section. And also, I'll put it on Twitter under this thread where the show is, LinkedIn. We'll get Judah's take. And then we'll get you, the viewer and listener, to offer some perspective, too. Jason Howard sent me this. Thank you, Jason Howard. Judah, the show is yours. Yeah, I saw this article the other day, and it's certainly interesting that, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess a lot of people don't know about NGIC and some of the other, some of the other uh, companies around here. Uh, They're not but, companies. What? They're not companies. These are not private. But go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, they're not companies. Um, I, you know, it's, I, I know some people that work in, the, in those industries. What tickled you from the article? What jumped at you from the article? This is the, this is, I, would, I would stick with the, unless, unless you have some, uh, and, and I don't mean to interrupt you. I apologize for interrupting you here. If you have some firsthand perspective, offer it. If not, I would stick with the facts here from the article. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I don't. I don't really have anything particular to say about it. Okay. Okay. Um, Scott Q. Watching the program. The owners of the owner of Marco's Pizza. Scott, you make great pizza. Marco's um, actively involved with, with this community. I'm impressed with what you're doing. He says, "Do your local numbers for defense include remote workers?" That's a great question. They they said the direct and indirect impact of defense in the Charlottesville region was 1.2 million, 1.2 billion, excuse me. And if you include the indirect um, impact, that's over 7,347 jobs. I would bet, but yes, this is an assumption, that remote workers are included in the indirect piece of the 7,347 jobs from this sector but they did not mention remote workers specifically. 
The article does seem to cover uh, a fair a fair amount, so I would imagine that the uh, the remote workers are included. I would I would yeah, like I just said, I would think the remote the remote workers are the indirect piece of this article, the indirect categorization in this article. Dylan's rule, Ginny Hu, um, Albert Graves, and West Kent on Twitter. Welcome to the program. Deep Throat has a comment which we will get through. I was really hoping you were watching today, Deep Throat. Um, he says, think low profile. He says, uh, part of the low profile of a lot of the folks working here is because Injik is pretty far outside of town. He says, the Rivana station is pretty far up 29. He says, the other odd thing about defense presence here is that usually a place with big military presence tends to tilt to the right politically. It does not here in Charlottesville, at least not in the city. Probably not in Almora County either. That's another interesting wrinkle to this. You got 7,347 jobs, according to this Weldon Cooper Center study on the defense sector in the Charlottesville area. 7,347 direct and indirect jobs. And the interesting thing is, despite the significant influence of defense that generally leans red, the city and, and, and Almoral County are undoubtedly blue. That in, that's intriguing. Maybe that's an indication of the University of Virginia and its influence superseding the influence of the defense sector. I no think doubt. that's probably what you're looking at right there. John Blair on LinkedIn um, watching the program. This question, this comment comes in from <coughs> Spencer watching the show, Spencer Sherling. Jerry, I love what you guys are doing where you're taking a topic that's local and you're really unpacking it for us. We can get the news anywhere, but we can't get the unpacking anywhere, and that's why we come to this talk show for that kind of analysis. In regards to the defense sector, another reason that this is going under the radar is because they want it to go under the radar. They want this to be an unassuming portion of the community. Do you believe that? Yeah. You do? It even says in the article that uh, one, of the, uh, one of the benefits of having, of having the part of their defense industry here in, uh, in Charlottesville is that they want, uh, they, like the, um, they like the proximity to, to D.C., but outside of 100 miles, so that if there ever were a strike on D.C., they would have... Uh, they would have. Um, They'd be it, safe. Well, part at least of their industry would be would be safe. Hopefully, I mean, I suppose it all depends on the size of the strike, but um, it at least gives uh, at, le- at least gives some protection. There you go. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for from you. That right there. That was good. You just added value to the viewers and listeners with that commentary right there. Uh, and he's exactly right. Deep in the article, he's talking about the desirable distance 100 miles to the nation's capital. He's exactly right. They also talk about the deep talent pool um, that's in this area, a very deep talent pool, which we all know. We all know there's a deep talent pool in this area. The average, get this, here's a great statistic. You ready for this statistic here? And then we'll get to your comments. Put your comments in the feed. The defense sector jobs are attractive to veterans and civilians alike. As of 2020, 
the average wage for a defense sector worker in the Charlottesville region was more than 100 k at $104,000 in 2020, according to the Central Virginia Partnership for Economic Development. So not only prolific in job count, 7,300 jobs, but you're talking average wage of 104 k for defense sec sector workers in Charlottesville. Guys, look, I'll cut to the chase and be as transparent as possible. I knew the, the what does Scott Morris call these agencies, these um, various agencies, we'll call them agencies, he calls them the alphabets. You got the INJICs, the DIAs, the NGICs, the NGIAs, the INJICs, right, the, the alphabets. I knew the alphabets had a significant impact on this area. I'd never in my wildest imagination thought it would be in the number two slot for economic impact. Never my wildest imagination. I thought the economic impact two slot influence was real estate. Hmm. I thought it was real estate. I thought it was UVA one, real estate two. It's clear that is not the case. I would like to see, um, has there been, actually, actually I'll take that back because word, word choice matters. I would love to know the Charlottesville area economic impact of real estate. Can you see if you can Google that? <coughs> I would imagine that data is much more readily available online because the stakeholders are proud in real estate to champion that data and to get it out there. I'll talk about this with Alex Erpe today on the show. Um, let's go to comments. They're coming in fast and furious. Um, Scott says, Scott, Scott, I love when you watch the show, man. Scott Q. He's got a couple of comments here. Scott says, I also work as a DOD contractor. It makes sense on the indirect comment. He says, the defense from a political standpoint, leans right only in non-urban areas. For example, um, DC and Norfolk. Um, Carly Wagner, who submitted the photo for the contest on today's show, she has this comment. I have buyers right now that work for DIA. They have been living and working from Arlington, Alexandria, but they were told by their agency that they could easily work at INJIC here and do the same job. They thought it was a no-brainer. Would easily choose Seaville over the chaos of Nova to raise a family all day, every day. 100%. 100%. Rat race versus what we got here? I mean, good night. Carly, great comment. Get her photo on screen with the lower third. Where am I? She took this picture. It's um, outside an iconic business in Charlottesville, a parking lot overlooking the apartments. It's a tree. I found this hilarious. I would imagine, and obviously I have bathroom humor, Carly. You and I have never met in person. We've never met in person. But I would imagine why she's setting this photo over here is because the photo of the tree has a somewhat phallic um, feel to it. Is that fair? Is that why? I, I, I mean, I, I've never met Carly. I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds here. I would say that's relatively phallic right there. Are you looking at the picture on screen? Okay. 
Where, where am I? Would you say that's phallic? I think yeah. it's pretty hilarious. Whatever that thing is sticking out of the... Uh... Well, it's bathroom humor. I think it's funny. Where am I? Can you get the lower thirds on there so folks can follow the topics that we're covering? That would be great. Thank you. Um, Janice Boyce Trevelyan says they live outside Charlottesville, Rutgersville, Orange, and Louisa, that folks that work for these agencies. Nora Gaffney, welcome to the program. Thank you for watching. We love when you watch the show. Um, I, I'll pass this to you. John Blair, I'm going to get to your comment here in a matter of moments. Alex, take a look at this. I want to talk about this with you. This is in Virginia. Alex Zerpe's in the studio. He's going to take this article that we just printed to the green room. It's on the economic impact of the defense sector in Charlottesville. $1.2 billion in 2021, Alex. Massive economic impact. Uh, I'll holler at you uh, about that on the show and some other things. John Blair says, JM, take a look at the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors agenda for tomorrow on the county's website. There is a report at tomorrow's board meeting on the defense sector's impact on the region. Should be a great supplement to this article. Oh, that's fantastic, John Blair. God, I love you, John Blair. Love you, JB. I'd give you a chest bump right now. I can't wait till we eat those pies on set. Um, the economic, the study was funded in part by Albemarle County. So that makes sense. This study should be everywhere. It should be far and wide. Oh, uh, Carly says, come on, it's just an interesting branch. Maybe she wasn't going for this. Oh, no, does Carly think I'm a sicko now? I'm not a sicko, Carly. I just thought that's why you sent it. This is <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, Carly. I'm not a sicko. If you guys know where this tree is located next to an iconic business in Charlottesville and you put it in the comment section, we'll send you a prize. We'll cover all the shipping costs ourselves. All right, next headline I want to go to, Judah, if you want to get the lower third on is the 14 million fewer jobs expected in the next five years. This is some also for Alex. This is worrisome. Um, the uh, World Economic Forum expects there to be 14 million fewer jobs overall in five years' time. Yeah, I saw something about that earlier uh, the other day. Um, basically, so many jobs are going to be uh, created and uh, a lot more are going to be destroyed. Uh, and I think it's 69 kind of million will emerge. 83 million jobs will disappear. 25, 23% to be exact. 23%, according to the World Economic Forum, 23% of jobs will be completely disrupted in the next five years. I... This is, I want your help, viewers and listeners. Deep Throat, I want your help. Albert Graves, I want your help. Bill McChesney, I want your help. Janice Boyce Trevilian, Nora Gaffney, I want your help. Vanessa Parkhill, Carly Wagner, Katie Pearl, I want your help. Can someone in American history remember as short a period of time where jobs were as radically revolutionized or impacted or changed or frankly just put in like a blender on the spin cycle for like an hour, and then whatever comes out is whatever's left. I mean, when, would you think the Great Depression? It's happened before. When? And I'll ask you this question, Alex. Alex is shaking his head here. When the Great Depression? Right. That's what, I, that's what I think, and I'll ask you about this here. I wanna, I, we'll talk about that one in this topic. 
I mean, 14 million less jobs in five years? Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand what that means? Yeah. 14 million less jobs in five years. Profits over people. Or is that AI? Artificial intelligence? Or is that technology cannibalizing humans? Is that innovation doing what people can't do? Profits over people. I don't buy that. I don't buy the profits over people thing. If technology can do something for a company that a human being cannot do as well as a computer, it's the company's fiduciary responsibility by its shareholders to implement and integrate the technology. A publicly traded company's first responsibility is to its shareholders. And while we may have beef with that, and maybe that's the capitalistic America that people don't want to, that they think is nasty or, or Darwinistic or too cutthroat, if it's a publicly traded company, their responsibility is to the Americans who have invested money into the company. If a man and a woman, and I'm just talking out loud, if a family in Midwest, in in Middletown, America, takes their life savings or their 401k or their Roth or however the hell they invest, and they start scooping up various little companies and and, and, and various, across various indices, and if those companies are not performing at their greatest clip, then that family in Middletown, America is getting screwed. Fair enough. Okay, so if it's not profits over people, because that company that's choosing to do the technology to be the most efficient way possible is putting Middletown America and that family first. But we're seeing this in a lot of industries, and we're talking about it a lot in terms of what is left to people in terms of jobs and lives. And I think we're seeing this too much. I don't follow what that means. And when the corporations put more and more of our local small businesses out of business, as we've been talking about and seeing, what you're going to be left with is a corporation whose only, uh, what would you call it? Uh, um, their Mission, only, agenda, modus operandi. Their only loyalty is to their the profits. And you're right. If somebody is invested in that company, then that company should be getting the best, uh, the best return for, for those people. But what that may end up meaning is finding new and innovative ways to fire people and, and use less man, uh, manpower. Uh, 100%. And you, I, I won't go down this road. I'm going to get out. That's 100% true. 100% true. What you said is 100% right. And I want to weave Alex in anytime you want to join us, uh, CEO, Alex Serpy, Chief Executive Officer, the Antonio Banderas of Finance. Ladies, the man is, is off the market. He's getting love cuff this month. Antonio Banderas of Finance is off the market, love cuff this month, and what should be a, a, a memorable wedding in the rolling hills of beautiful Keswick, Virginia. I'm so, I'm so wonderfully excited. Judah's going to be there. He told me he's going to bring a tuxedo with a pink pocket square to complement his pink tie. Nice. Very excited for this. Um, Alex will be on set here. Um, Here's the question I have for you. And we can talk the Virginia business article. Mm -hmm. We can talk these job losses. We can talk AI. Um, I want you, because you appreciate history, and you certainly appreciate um, various economies and how they change. Mm -hmm. 
How do you first characterize where we are in 2023 as an economy standpoint? Let's start there. So it, it's the pace of change that I think is really hitting home. I, I was thinking back to your, your question, when was the last time we saw this complete reorganization of jobs that is being expected here? And, I mean, the only things I can think of is either early 20th century where electricity really changes things, basically first or second industrial revolution. So for those who aren't familiar, that's the complete transformation. The first one is the introduction of textiles. So you get, that's when you first get some of your production chains. That's when basically the entire medieval economy is upended. All the people that used to make clothes in the homes, and that was their kind of way of living, or they get shoved into the cities and are now working in essentially low-grade factories. And then the second one is Second Industrial Revolution, you've got your electricity, you've got your Henry Ford Model T assembly line. Again, a complete transformation of things that can be made. Even post-World War II, I don't think it even has that much of an impact. Because you're kind, people were kind of doing the same job as post-World War II that they were doing in the middle of World War II, just instead of making you know, the same assembly lines that have been making planes and bombers and all these other things just go to make other things, go to make other appliances and so forth. But this is a transformation that is very rapid and it's just happening faster and faster. And it's the pace of change that is just so unusual here. Deep Throat has this comment, labor input to agriculture in the U.S. dropped by half from 1950 to the mid-1960s. Uh, factory employment doubled from 1900 to 1910. Mm-hmm. So he's offering some historical context yep. right here. 14 million jobs lost in the next five years, and 25% of the jobs that survive are going to be radically disrupted. Mm-hmm. That is eye-popping yeah, statistics the, the right The key here. thing there is what you said, those, the, the two numbers that add up to result of that minus 14. Because, in other words, 80 million jobs, Approximately, right? 80 million jobs that we now that now exist today will not be there, and 60 million ones that do not exist today are expected to be created. This is all; these were all business surveys, essentially, right? So, not only is it there's 14 less, right? 14 million. There's 14 million less. The 80 million that are being lost are there's 80 million that currently exist today that will not exist anymore. Things that are done today that will be done either by machines or the productivity will be such that one person can now do that which it used to take two or three people to do. And the one that's the most obvious to all of us, and I'm curious of others that come to mind, is you go to the McDonald's and you're ordering from a kiosk now instead of a cashier. You go to the McDonald's on Mm -hmm. Pantops. My son loves the breakfast there. We go there maybe once or twice a month because he loves the breakfast. You go in there. There is no front of the house staff. Mm, You have someone bringing food to you at the counter. You're not ordering at the register anymore. That's the most obvious one. What do you make, and, and, and I empathize with the comment that you made, J-Dubs. I want to weave you in. What do you make of the profit over people mm. comment? That's, that's a hard one. I think, I think we have to parse out. I think Judas is correct that you, um, a, a company, and like you said, Jerry, you, you're both correct in that a company, especially a publicly traded company, needs to put the interest of its shareholders first. When, it, when its corporate executives are given the leeway to not be fiduciaries, you know that you they're going, in that company. Yeah, you, there's going to be some serious issues. Now, 
a lot of people have argued that some of the law, in other words, we've kind of financialized the economy to such an extent that a lot of corporate executives no longer even currently put the long-term interest of the company above short-term. And I think maybe that's kind of what Jude is alluding to with the, because when I think of profits over people, the culprits is usually companies that they're prioritizing short-term, short-term increase in the value of the stock over the long-term health of the company. Because they know that they're going to be long gone when all these projects that they failed to think about the long-term future come to fruition. In other words, they just, instead of investing in a long-term project, they buy back the stock, they bump up the dividends, right? And that may be good for current shareholders, right? It might, it will, it's definitely going to be good for them because they're going to be paid in stock options, right? But it may not be good for future shareholders or shareholders who intend to hold that company for a long time because somewhere, sooner or later down the road, someone's going to be left holding the bag and saying, dang, we did not invest in any CapEx and any projects, essentially, for the last 20 years. All we did was buy back our own stock, and now we have nothing. Now our products and services, we didn't develop anything new, and we are in big trouble. And you see that, of course, with a few companies, right? We've seen companies that have failed to innovate and failed to look forward to the future that finally run out of steam, and, and, and now they're in big trouble. The stock um, price is a fraction of what it used to be. Well said. Jump in anytime you want. Just give me a sign here. The comments are coming in fast and furious. This from Albert Graves. At Warrior AG, you have become an extremely well-respected member of our viewer and listening audience. We appreciate your consistent loyalty and comments and perspective. He says, the great experiment, the virus, let employers know how expendable their employees were. Mm. COVID changed everything. Mm-hmm. He says, the great experiment, the virus, let employers know how expendable their employees were. And I'll tell you another one is Musk taking Twitter private. How much was that deal? Was it $40 billion? $40 billion. $40 billion taking Twitter private, then either forcing or encouraging 70% of the staff to quit, and then the site is still running. Still running. As if the entire staff was there. Mm-hmm. Has another impact on what's happening here as well. It, I, I, I exactly so. And you see it in the tech. In other words, the tech companies, when we see all these tech layoffs, they're not dumb, the tech companies, right? No. They're not sitting there saying, oh, man, I'm going to fire all the coders that I really need. What they're firing, the people they are firing. It's the, the ones, ones interacting with the public. Brought, exactly. Yeah. It is the marketing, the people they brought on that now they realize. Customer support, customer tu- service. Exactly, in tough times are not needed. And I think to speak to the virus, I think the issue, and we, we talked about this a lot in 2020, 2021, that it drove a lot of the small business out of business because they were disadvantaged. Lowe's got to stay open, Home Depot got to stay open, all the big ones got to stay open, all the small ones got pushed out of business. And now to Judah's point, when all you have left is the big ones, right? their, their power has now increased exponentially. Judah, I mean, where do you want to go? We've got more comments coming in. Show's yours or we can go to the comments. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm just looking at the fact that we've, we've heard of some uh, some publicly traded companies uh, posting incredible profits over the last few years mm-hmm. and then you see you know then you see these uh, these headlines on uh, on 
<clears throat> news services and uh, on on LinkedIn about oh uh, you know this company or this sector is is primed to you know to cut eight thousand jobs and it's it's a little bit uh, I just find it a little troublesome I that's why I say profits over people uh, because yes I understand that the company needs to be profitable I understand that the company needs to make money to continue uh, they need to uh, to change and and shift and thrive but at the same time there's uh, I often hear talk about loyalty, you know, the loyalty of uh, of em- employees, and uh, I think it's uh, telling when we see how little loyalty there is from employers. Well, I don't. Is this is this necessarily employers doing this though? I mean, in part, it, it is employers doing this, but I also think this is like bosses and 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 the mark. Here's what's happening here. You had, and Alex, jump in anytime you want. Mm. I'm just going to go very layman, and then we'll get to the defense sector and the economic impact because I want to get in Alex's big, beautiful brain on this. You had a a time in America where interest rates were basically zero, and you had tech companies. you, You mentioned tech. You had tech companies overextending themselves because they thought this interest rate environment was going to stay in this scenario for an extended period of time, a really, really long time. And the reality is they overestimated. And Mm -hmm. the Fed had to come in here and start raising rates because COVID effed us, and it really screwed the American economy, and it really put tailwinds and momentum behind inflation. And it started getting significantly out of control. And as it was getting out of control... Powell and the Fed and all these suits that are super smart and got all these letters after their names started saying, we have to put this inflation in check. We got to start raising the rates. And then these tech companies that were super overextended got screwed. They got screwed because they they were running publicly traded businesses based on profit potential and not running businesses like I have to run it in Charlottesville on Market Street where I have to payroll and keep the lights on and make sure there's cash in the account so I can meet payroll the following week and if something hits the fan here, there's no raise some money with uh, uh, offering some stock and then jump start a a company that's struggling like Snap, like they've done so many times. It's The the issue is for particularly in the public sector, it's always a forward-looking sector. In other words, they're going to look now and say, okay, we cannot keep this level of payroll as a going concern. Yeah, they made bank profits, but the people in charge don't want to be fired. Right. And if they fall apart or they go negative, it's a what have you done for me lately. But it's not necessarily, and I guess that's the point I'm making, is this necessarily the employer saying profits over people, or is this the employer that legitimately has his or her back against the wall and basically has no other choice right now? Well, and I think it's mostly, it's, a lot of this also comes down, you can't underestimate the extent to which even large companies operate on a, on a risk-averse nature. In other words, they look... They see potential recession. They see warning signs, and they are. They say, and they sit there and say, "I do not want to be the one caught of having basically too many expenses and my revenue drops, and I didn't see it coming." So they, so they make the moves earlier. 
It's just, it's... The, I had a family member, I don't mean to interrupt no, you. No, go ahead. John Blair watching the program, he says, Alex Erpy is killing it right now. He's preaching okay. the absolute truth. He's dropping that on LinkedIn, Mr. Blair, the Esquire. I had a family member, I'm not going to say who, don't offer any insight here. Um, big tech, upper management, all this stuff hits the fan. He's got a team of like 30-some under him, and a let go of half the team. He personally had to pick which of the team stayed, Oof. which of the team got let go, was told to do this over Zoom so they didn't go into the office to cause mishap mm -hmm. when you get wow. canned, yeah. do it over Zoom. And then he found out he got fired as he was laying off the last person via Zoom. His Zoom credentials got cut off because they thought he had done all the firings already, so they eliminated oh, wow. his Zoom account. So as he's eliminating his last employee, you're still the most them? favorite one, because yeah. he wanted to do last to spend the most time with, his Zoom account gets cut off by the company, and he can't eliminate the last employee, and that's how he found out. That legitimately yeah. happened. Wow. Now, you're talking, about, you're talking about someone that had a job that was like, you know, somewhere between, I, I would say somewhere between six and 800, but still, that's how this job was that's, lost. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, and I think that kind, I think that kind of speech to Judas point where I can empathize that is, you sit there and say there's a way to do that that doesn't involve. In other words, you can you can put your shareholders first, right, and not be so completely and utterly devoid of ethics. Like there is business ethics, and there are ways to do things the right way. Would you say Musk has business ethics? That's a that's a challenging one. I'm not I'm not a hundred. See, I wouldn't say Musk is the most empathetic no. chief say, executive. I would say he doesn't know how to spell business ethics. You would say Musk is not an empathetic ex a chief executive, right? He's not even an aggressive, hardline, slightly. Okay, he's an aggressive. Is he supposed to be empathetic? I never said he should or shouldn't be. I or, just said or is his job to be as shrewd as possible to keep what he's got: Starlink, Tesla, and Twitter in the black. Is it Musk's only goal to keep him in the black so he allows jobs to be created and economic impact to be positive? Isn't that his role with his three companies? But it is the purpose of ethics would be, though, that there, there should be a way, and I believe there is, to, to do things in an ethical way, but that also put your company in the black. That's I'm the, not sure it's a zero <clears throat> somewhere, but I either do answer. things ethically or I make profit. What CEO does that? That's well? the best answer. Okay. Name one CEO who does it. Who does it? Name one CEO who does it well, Judah. Name one CEO who does what he just who said in America well. that does it. Look at this. If I had time to read, you're asking me Name, what? It's a talk show. Okay. This uh, is what talk shows are. Name one CEO that does what you guys are saying. Well, in the, in the about, 2000s. One on. active CEO right now that yeah. does what you guys are saying. How about the owner of Chick-fil-A? The active CEO of Chick is Chick-fil-A is private. Chick-fil-A is, yeah, I think Chick-fil-A is a private Chick company. Chick-fil-A is not a public company. Okay. Name one publicly traded CEO that does what these guys are saying. Anyone. Anyone. We're in a, we're in a much harsher environment than we were. There you go. 20 years ago. But is that a decline in ethics or a, or a financial necessity? I'm That's sure. what it is. I don't think it's a decline in ethics. I don't think we as Americans are ethically less inclined. I think we in, as Americans right now have our back against the wall at a greater clip than it's been in a generation. And because our back That's is against tough. the wall and our greater clip that we've been in a long time, we're having to consider gray area tactics that we otherwise that we never would have. before. Yeah.
I mean, it's. I mean, people are getting canned on Zoom. And ironically, they got probably they got hired on Zoom. Probably so. You're probably right. You know, that Zoom taketh and Zoom Zoom giveth and Zoom taketh away. How, how about this comment mm -hmm. before we go to the next one? Scott Q's got a good one. Um, in fact, Scott Q, you've made the program way good today. Um, he says that after uh, a crash like this with jobs, and I'm paraphrasing your comment, Scott, after a crash like this with jobs, um, history suggests, here it is, each historical disruption has been followed by creation of new industries, opportunities via innovation related to the disruption. Mm. I think that's I think the it's hope. AI. It's going to be that's, AI. That's the hope, because in other words, that World Economic Forum survey is taking the survey of what people can currently foresee, right? And so if you think about it, if you had been a, you know, medieval textile in a village where everybody, all the houses would sew the clothes and it employed like, you know, let's say the whole village, 100 people in the village got employed, you, and then the, the factory comes in and hires 20 of them to do the same number of, textiles, you make the same clothing with 20 people and you now have 80 out of work. If you had asked them, look forward, what's your projection for jobs gained and jobs lost, they would say, well, 100 are going to disappear, 20 are going to appear, we're, we're minus 80. But as we know, the number of jobs that actually got created in the Industrial Revolution was far higher. The, the wealth of the world, even for the bottom percentile of the world, increased dramatically. I mean, if you look at world wealth, and even for the bottom percentile, most of history is like a straight line, and then the Industrial Revolution comes and it goes like this. It's like a hockey stick. And so I love this. there may be jobs that we cannot foresee now that will be the result of the technological change. In other words, we can see the 80 million that are going to vanish. Can we properly account for the number? Like, how can we account for a job that will exist in the future that we haven't even conceived of yet? Right. How can we, how can we account of a job... Take, for example, what Meta's doing. How can we account of a job in the metaverse? Well, we don't even know what the metaverse is going to be. How can we count on a job in AI, chat, GBT, if we don't truly understand where these mm -hmm. industries are going? Well, like, we know we should hold NVIDIA. We know we should hold AMD and semiconductors because they're going to be somewhere there. Yeah. But where's the space actually going to go? Well, I think about chat, GBT has introduced its own set of problems that now need to be solved. Is, I, mean, I, I know a... Um, what, accountability? A, Accountability. Well, I know a, um, oh, it's like a, uh, a literary magazine. So I, just, I, you know, I write some stories on the side. I know some literary magazines that have completely closed their submissions because for Plagiarism. the time being, they, exactly, they cannot distinguish between an AI written story and an actual story written by a person because you have, they've had, and they know that they're a bunch of AI because the number of people submitting to their magazine as soon as Jack GPT got in the news ballooned from like 100 to 3,000. So now they have 3,000 submissions and they're sitting there saying at least half to, if not most of these were written by Chat, Chat GPT. GPT. They are not a legitimate, you know, we don't want to publish something written by a machine. But you can yeah. foresee now jobs which will have to be created in the future in which people are going to be asked, to parse out the Chat difference GBT. between yeah. an AI-generated submission and a human-generated. How do you distinguish between these two things, technologically, software-wise, by the human eye? I mean, are, there are, I, I believe vernacular, there are subtle tells. Vernacular, exactly. nuance subtle language. Like I, I know of some companies that still don't use ChatGPT because it cannot replicate the voice 
the written voice of their CEO, so they don't use it for their CEO's letters because they know that their customers will know ah, this doesn't sound like <laughs> his tone. Him. His tone. Yeah. So there are subtle tells. So will there be jobs that don't exist now that will, in other words, what used to be a reader, maybe who won't exist anymore, is a new job. Is a new job translator. Yeah. Determining that there's a new job created for the first person who needs to read all the submissions and say this one is AI, this one's real, this one's AI, this one's real. <laughs> Five years ago, you couldn't conceive of that job. We might have been able to conceive of AI taking away jobs. Five years ago, I probably could have given you a list of jobs that won't exist if AI comes into being. But I probably wouldn't have given you the new job of the person at the literary magazine who now needs to figure out which submissions are AI. That's damn good right so it's, there from Alex Herpy. A-plus stuff from Alex Herpy right there. You were nodding in agreement. I, I got the impression you wanted to offer something there. Jump in if you do or if we go to the next topic. Yeah, anyway. definitely. Uh, I, I, was, I was reading recently about, uh, about someone who's, uh, whose professor sent them, a, uh, sent them an email Saying that uh, they had put their they they gave them an A on on their essay or whatever it was, and was asking them, uh, they basically it was basically a very uh, a very honest, open, uh, non-accusatory email about hey, I ran this through a few of the uh, you know the comparison software programs. Yeah, and all three of them came up saying that this was this was written at least with the help of AI and so I'm I'm asking you if you if you used anything to help you write it. The person insists that they didn't and in response somebody else mentioned that they had written something and they themselves had run it through one of those identifiers and they had I think originally they had asked ChatGPT to write something. They ran it through and it came up perfectly clear. No AI generation or help. Then they took what it was and they rewrote it. They basically took it and they paraphrased it and rewrote it in their own voice, ran it back through the, uh, ran it back through the system, and the system said 100% AI generated. Yeah. It's, the softwares are not there yet. It's amazing. They can't figure it out. It may, and it may well take a human eye. And the same thing is now going on with photography and, and art. As well, not just it's not just the written word; it's everything. In fact, I think uh, does that scare you guys? And I want to talk defense here. We got the one. It does a little bit. It scares me. Does a little bit. I don't know if you all saw the 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 Pope supposedly in Balenciaga ads that Uh, they they used AI. Some guy just used AI (laughs) to stitch the Pope's face in like puffy Balenciaga jackets and stuff. I mean, so many people thought it was real. I mean, because he the AI just makes it seamless. As though he's really wearing right. it, and and then you know, I mean, take someone who knows anything about it to say there's no way he's in an ad. I, I was I was I was reading, you know, we all go down these rabbit holes online. How Chat GPT could be used uh, in a manipulative way, as it could recreate mm-hmm. like the voice of your significant other and be positioned in a way as if your significant other was doing something that he or she should not, mm-hmm. like betraying marital trust, yeah. and then the other person thinks that this actually happened, but when it was all created by this. Chat GBT software uh, yeah. or AI. Let me throw this to you here, and I want to get defense sector um, to you guys as well. Um, how do you protect yourself from this? If you're okay, I don't think yeah. we necessarily may need to protect ourselves from this. Well, maybe we do. Yeah. Depends on how long we live. Yeah. You're the youngest one of the three. You are the oldest one of the three. 
Okay, all of us have more job run in front of us. I plan on being doing this as long as mm -hmm. possible here. I would imagine you would plan on doing uh, your yep. business, your family business as long as possible. But how does a Gen Z or protect themselves from this? How does someone that's younger than us protect themselves from If you have to work 30 it's more years, 20 more years, what do you do here? I mean, it's increasing vigilance. And in some ways, you, I begin to wonder, even my own business, to what extent paper may now be the safest to what? Method paper may now be the safest method of storing information. Why do you think that? Because it's so, anything electronic yeah. is now so much more susceptible. And it's now, I would imagine it, in some ways it may be harder now to break into a physical office or to even plan mm -hmm. a break in to steal paper information than to do it, digital to do it digitally. The, 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 the guy who created the AI for Google quit recently because it. he... That was in the news yesterday. Yeah, because he doesn't like the, the way things are going. And he's, I think, uh, worried that uh, it's gotten beyond, beyond our control. I don't know mm -hmm. if... Uh, but if you went the paper route with the finance business that you guys had, you would need a warehouse oh, to know, store yeah. the paper. It, no, it can't. It's, it's, it would be an insane It would be like a warehouse, But right? it's, I think it's just becoming more vigilant and saying, all right, what... I think in the future we'll have to decide what needs to be on paper, what needs to be on a purely enclosed system. In other words, a system yeah. that is not connected to the internet in any way, shape, or form. Mm. Um, what for Gen Z? It's going to be complete <coughs> vigilance. And um, are you uh, Gen Z? You're young. No, millennial. I'm millennial. Young millennial. Yeah. yeah. But I think for them, it's also going to be a completely. I, I don't know, but like remember when we were? I don't know if you remember in elementary school, even through high school and and college spent a lot of time where they would teach you how to like look at the internet and find your sources, what's oh, yeah. reliable, what's not. Yeah, cite your source. Yeah, cite your source. Yeah. That's going to have to be ballooned exponentially because you're not going to see photographs and images that may not be real. Mm -hmm. And you can't just say, well, yeah, I know that the president was there that day because here's a photograph of the president. That, nope, right. that his face has been put into a place he never was. It's going to be a scary time when we can't trust anything that we see or read on the internet anymore. And I think we're almost there. Wow. Yeah. All right. This one from John, then the next topic. 12 minutes on the next topic. Um, John Blair on LinkedIn. Here's something that I haven't heard since Andrew Yang ran in 2020, in 2020 for president. Universal basic income. With these AI stories, will we hear policymakers start to talk about universal basic income again? Probably. I think so. I mean, that was Yang's yeah. perspective. In other words, the, the, the job losses will be so tremendous that to keep people afloat, you will just have to basically pay them to do nothing, to live, essentially. Um, I think that has its own societal issues. The moral oh. hazard there is tremendous. We saw some of it during COVID. You know, we, we did. We, we did. saw well, that during COVID. There are certain, I know the Scandinavians did some um, trial runs of it and had to shut them down rather rapidly because the, the workforce <laughs> then began to decline. Yeah, yeah. That is well said. Another well said. Um, all right, let's go. Uh, Janice Boyce Trevelyan, I'll get to your comments here. Um, she says, kids don't even have a signature anymore. They don't even have a signature anymore. I want you to think about that. That's a mom saying kids mm. don't even use a signature. Do they even teach cursive? I learned cursive in third grade in elementary school. I'm not, sure if, I'm not sure public school. Do they even teach cursive Is anymore? cursive um, in public school been replaced by text messaging? This is how you text message? 
I'm, I'm only partially my cursive was always wretched. I, I'm only partially joking. Okay. Oh, I know. I did, same here, Judah. My cursive is. <laughs> I looked at the cursive of previous generations. My parents. Oh, it's my grandparents. Flawless. It's beautiful. Flawless. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I looked at my own. And I'm like, wow, this is a pale imitation. Right. Well, you don't use it because <laughs> you don't use you it. Don't use you're it. taught it for maybe like one grade, and then right. you're done. Yeah. It was like with me and my Spanish when I was in Naples and I was around me and Poppy all the time. I was bilingual. Now I'm not using it, so I stink at it now. Um, All right, defense sector. We have 11 Mm -hmm. minutes here, gentlemen. 10 minutes. $1.2 billion Charlottesville area impact. Directly and indirectly, 7,347 jobs in the defense sector in Charlottesville, Albemarle, and Green alone. The second largest economic impact locally behind UVA that's at $6 billion yearly. Three of the top military intel agencies have presence in the Charlottesville mm-hmm. area. Where do you want to start? I just just goes to show you the it, it, that's one of those things that can easily fly under the radar because let's face it, the the military and defense contractors they they're kind of different because UVA and hospitals, right? They kind of like to draw attention to themselves. They brag. <laughs> they want you to know that they are a great institution. They want you to know that they're there. They want you to know that if you have an emergency, go to UVA Medical Center, go to Centera. We have all these out clinics. Advertising campaigns. Exactly. We're good the at defense that. industry does not really want to brag. Look here. I'm right here on this hill. You know, yeah. building really high stuff. Oh, I got really top secret stuff right in this way. I'm on this computer. I'm looking at your visa transaction history to see if you're doing anything felonious. Exactly. Okay. I mean, they, they don't really advertise that they're there and that they are a big presence. So it's easy to forget that that kind of goes uh, under the radar. Um, and that Charlottesville, and it's, I think it's one of those ways Charlottesville is not immune to geopolitical circumstances. In other words, there is an extent to which we are tied to if there are more wars, sad as it is to say, that's good for Charlottesville. That the defense contract industry is higher. If we did enter a period of, you know, Monroe, James Monroe isolation, don't get involved with any wars that don't involve the immediate vicinity of the United States, we would see a decline in jobs because that's where a lot of these defense contractors make their money. Judy, you want to jump in on this? Anything tickle on your fancy? Good stuff, Alex Orpi. No, that is good stuff. I don't know that I have anything to add to that. Um, comments coming in fast and furious here. Mitigating the risk of AI fraud is a growth industry. Mm-hmm. And that's from Scott Q. Yep. And he's, uh, I want to clarify something. He actually sold Marco's Pizza back in December, so he's not the owner of Marco's anymore. And he runs a business unit for a cybersecurity company that primarily supports the DOD right now. Mm. He's yeah. watching the program. So well, literally, this is another, an expert in what we're talking about. And another, another set of jobs that might not have existed five years ago that you couldn't have predicted. Yeah. You know, people are going to have to train others to to protect your information in, a, in this world, in an AI world. We got UVA $6 billion influence a year. UVA did its own study mm-hmm. on its own economic impact. We would expect that from yep. UVA. And we got the defense sector. The only reason we got this study done is because Al Morrow and Charlottesville City and the Chamber wanted to get this, this study done. So yeah. they paid the Weldon Cooper Institute or the Weldon Cooper <laughs> yeah, Center. Yeah, you'll, you'll notice Northrop Grumman didn't they do went this to a study third party. themselves. Yeah, yeah. they didn't. And GIC, Inchic did not do this. Yeah. <laughs> they went to a third party to get this study done where UVA did mm-hmm. the study themselves and the, real, the realtors did the study themselves. Mm-hmm. And the hospitals do the study themselves. So that's to Alex's point as well. Um, 1.2 billion from defense sector, 6 billion from 
UVA, I would bet you real estate's three and that's right at a billion dollars. I would bet you it's right around a billion. How would you characterize the economic protection, Central Virginia versus national? Tough question there. That's a, the $6 billion UVA is a lot of protection. There's no, there's no getting around it. There, particularly as we are, as this country is currently situated, as much as we talk about the value of trade schools and community colleges and certifications and why the four-year institution may not be for everybody, the fact of the matter is the current, I guess, climate feeling in the United States is that most parents, you ask them what they want to do for their kids, it's send my kid to a four-year college. Right? Most people, I think, are still operating on that average lifetime earning is $1 million higher if you go to a four-year college, not recognizing that average is probably average. Literally, that word is probably one of the most leading, misleading words mm-hmm. in all of statistics. But I think that's the modus operandi that we're still operating under. Operating under. So as long as that's the case, UVA offers, is, is offering tremendous protection because the people that they hire then have impact on the rest. They, they need to eat, they need to buy, they need to have stores, they need to buy houses, they need to rent apartments, they need to do all these other things that kind of give, I would call it maybe like, you could call it a floor, right? Charlottesville's economy has a floor that is probably higher than some other places because of the presence of university, because barring a complete paradigm shift in the way we do higher education in this country, which is not happening right now, as long as that demand to go to universities is there, that that floor is going to be there. Because I I don't, let's put it this way, I don't see UVA laying off tremendous amount of people anytime soon. And I will say, and I'll say this, the caliber of school has an impact here. Because I'm way less bullish on higher education now than I was 20 years ago. I think the future of higher education is in peril because of the cost associated with higher education. And I think the brands or the schools in higher education that are the ones that are most in jeopardy are the ones that are the third string or second string ones. Mm. The high end first string ones are the ones that are gonna persevere from this and they'll probably pick up market share when the second and third string ones get eradicated or evaporized. Mm. Um, So I think that's what what could happen. Ginny Hu on Twitter says, gentlemen, when you don't learn to write cursive, you also don't, don't learn to read cursive. You can't read any of our founding documents for yourself and have to rely on mm. others to tell you what they say. Oh, that's, that's dangerous. That is. And she says that uh, her kids um, are learning cursive. And she also said AI has already been used to copy teen college student voices and make parents think their child has been kidnapped and extort the mm. parents out of money. Yes, <laughs> I've heard. I've heard that as well. I've, I've heard, heard it being well. used to um, well, mess up families. Dude, anything. I mean, it, the nefarious Faces. potential with, a, with AI oh, yeah. is endless. Endless. Um, anything else stand out before we hear today, Mignana? No, just I, I think that's the it's, – it's important to keep track, I think, of what are those industries that have outsized impact. You might almost turn this like a concentrated industry. In other words, it has a, a small change in the defense industry's demand – can have an outsized impact in Charlottesville relative to, you know, somewhere that, let's say, has no defense industry. You know, almost like, you know, if you were sitting in Seattle, right, tech would have an outsized impact on Seattle's economy. 
defense has an outsized impact along with UVA on our economy here. There you go. Alex Erpe is going to tell us about today, Minyana. If we can oh, yep. get the photo on screen, you were awesome today. Oh, thank you. Um, Judah, you were awesome today as well. No one got this. I think Carly. That was hard to get. Oh, I found it on YouTube. I, I you found the photo? I found the photo. I, I, I logged you know into the show. On, no, 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 I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. As I'm saying, I, I found that I watched the show and saw the photo, but I have no idea. I don't even know what it is. This photo is Carly submitted it. We, we, you're an awesome viewer and listener. We love that you watch this program. It's over toward the parking lot overlooking the apartments by ACAC Albemarle Square. Oh. ACAC Albemarle Square, if you want to get the lower third from where, I'm, where am I, Judah, on screen. That is ACAC Albemarle Square. This, tea, this tree, no one got it this mm. time. So we're going to offer a prize tomorrow. Today, Imanyana, what you got? We've got some three, three sediments tomorrow on uh, Today, Imanyana. We're going to have uh, Terry Arroyo from Plant Studio here in the downtown mall. Nice. Going to be joining us, local small business. Then uh, we're going to have on Iwahar and Maria Vitale from It's Our Park. Going to come talk about the park. If you haven't been or don't know what's new, we'll try to cover all that. I know there's always new things going on there that I like to keep up with. Um, and then we're going to have Matias Yon from Matias Yon Realty just talk a little bit more, you know, what, what, where he's seen, things going. Um, maybe Mike talked a little bit. I know Keith covered it last week. Maybe Mike talked a little bit about uh, dispelling the notion that you should intentionally tank your credit score to get home. Let's, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, well, it's it's not that it's a good thing what's happening, but you the solution is not to tank your credit score. Let's just <laughs> put it that way. That's the short answer, but Matthias might <laughs> help us with the long answer. That's in uh, relation to the news story that broke <laughs> mm-hmm. last week, where um, folks that have great credit and strong money down will be helping carry the loan for those that don't have great credit and don't have a lot of money to put down. Um, Vanessa Parkhill says, a while back I was visiting family in the Pittsburgh area and I saw a news report about an area school that was focusing on technical education, specifically jobs that could mm-hmm. not be outsourced to another country, plumber, mm-hmm. carpenter, electrician, mm-hmm. HVAC. Yep. Those may be the most stable jobs in the near term, oh, 100%. ladies and gentlemen. I can see a future where a lot of things are replaced by robots. Very difficult, even now, for me to imagine that people are going to want a robot to come into their home and do their plumbing. Yeah, I would not. With their electricity. That. I'm going to stick with um, Big Ken and, 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 and John coming in to do our HVAC. They're, they're fantastic. Judah, you were fantastic. Yep. Alex is always Judah. fantastic. Today, Imanyana, Thursdays at 10, 15 a.m. He joins us on Tuesdays. He's A++. We hope you enjoyed the show, guys. We took a deep dive on topics that matter to this community. Mm-hmm. It's the I Love Seville show for Alex and Judah. My name is Jerry Miller. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Oh, great show, guys. Great topics today. Loved it. Me too. Me too. Uh, good to see you. Oh, same here. Same here.